Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 14. <laughs> I'm also getting what number we're going <laughs> on. Yes, number 14. And yeah, once again, I keep hitting the microphone. And also, we're joined by the man who likes blue things, blue amps, blue guitars, it seems, Richard Morgan. Hello, how are you? <laughs> it's me again. Hello. Thanks for having me back yet again. Yes. That, that's what happens when you're the official co-host of the show. You kind of tend to come back, I guess. <laughs> All right, I suppose, yeah, that does have something to do with it. Yeah. Something but there's like just two that. of us this week. Yes. Unfortunately, Eirik has a lot to catch up because of... Well, he told last week that he had COVID and I think he was out for like three weeks or something. So I guess it makes sense yeah. that he's not able to do this right now. I mean... This doesn't pay anyone's bills yet, at least, so it all makes sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a busy man, you know? Uh, of course. Plus, of course. getting COVID, he stopped yeah. being a busy man. Now he's getting fit again, and he's a doubly busy man to catch up with his schedule. Yeah. It's amazing how hard you professional YouTubers actually work, I realized, over the last couple of years. Yeah, it, like... Well, yeah. we know people who work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. I wouldn't be able to do that, but some people can, so, yeah. Crazy people. I know, I know. Fun to that as well. In recent happenings, we'll dive into a new Friedman mini-amp, some Squire guitars. Then there was another thing that I just forgot we just added to the show at last mi minute. Yes, <laughs> Adam Jones, Epiphone guitar. <laughs> That's the one. Yes, we'll also briefly touch on the live stream I was doing yesterday, which is Wednesday, today's Thursday. No, today's Wednesday, yesterday was Tuesday. Weeks, days, what are they? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Something. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, in uh, I was about to say Vlad files, but no, there's no Vlad files anymore. Right now, I'm calling it host confessions. I also wanted to go thought about doing mm. like dark confessions or something like that. <gasps> we'll we'll work on the name, but basically, that segment is not about me anymore. It's about the people, like everyone who joins the show that time. We'll talk about our favorite bands we want to see live. About bands, basically, we haven't seen live yet, but we want to see live at some point when the live shows are a thing again. Uh, in Random Positive Thing, I'd briefly talk about a live stream I was part of on Sunday. That was a lot of fun. And we'll talk about my Gibson Les Paul Standard 2012 model. The guitar that I actually regret selling the most. Something I should have added as well. We'll answer a couple of you, your questions and comments, though, actually, I'd, I would more say that we'll actually use those great comments slash questions for, like, topics of the show. And in the Weekend Watch, we'll dive into something we've kind of actually touched before, but it was just so much fun. We'll basically talk about Trace, <laughs> songwriting contest entries. That, that stuff has become must-watch for me. Like, as soon as it's live i had to have to watch it <laughs> it's quite something but more <laughs> more on that a bit later i think uh, no show notes that's why i have them here even though i don't like read them while i speak and i should be professional i know be professional exactly 
That's a quote from an event we attended. Guys, <coughs> be professional. Yeah, it's not just me telling Vlad to be professional just randomly. We do have a history of trying to be professional. Well, yeah. especially you. I, I didn't need to be, but you and the other YouTubers involved in that event... You needed to be professional at all times. I know, I know. That, that's a story for a different episode. We actually probably should tell that story one time because it, it was quite something. And yeah, I want to remind you that this show is available both on YouTube and on podcast platforms, at least on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So if you want just the audio format, you can find it there. And if there's a certain segment of the show that you absolutely want to hear first, there's timestamps in the YouTube video. And I'm pretty sure those work on uh, podcast platforms as well. At least you can find like where to kind of skip time code wise so you can find that segment quickly and as always if you enjoyed the show please consider subscribing and hitting the like button leave a comment down below shoot us with topic ideas something you think we should discuss on this show this is an interactive thing we really want to hear from you guys and if there's some topics you want us to dive into that would be awesome all right, that was a long, long intro. I think it's time to jump to recent happenings and talk about stuff that has happened recently. That's how it works. That's a <laughs> this is a good morning. All right, so one of the things that I guess happened this week was this week, like Friedman released a new amp and I'm pretty sure it's called the Mini B, not B mm -hmm. Mini, <laughs> which would be also kind of fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, Mini no, it's B. The, yeah, the, the Mini B E head. Yeah, head. Good, yeah. Good, good point. Which basically is like this uh, 30 watt mini thing that produces the B E sound. Like, I guess that's the yeah. most famous amp. Do you th what do you think? Is is that the like the best known amp? I would say it's the most famous Friedman amp these days. Like, yeah. and I think for me, and I think for quite a lot of other guitar players that I know, the the BE one hundred Deluxe head, the newest version of that amp, is one of the dream amps that you'd love to own because it just mm. can do everything, and it costs. I think about four thousand, five thousand dollars, or something like that. So it's the best of the best, and it's like. It's something that if you win the lottery, you might consider going for, or if you have a lot of disposable income. But yeah, the BE is probably the most famous. For me, as someone who plays a little bit cleaner, I also think about the Dirty Shirley as yep. being a great amp. I have the pedal as well. But yeah, the BE, the brown eye, I believe BE stands <laughs> <Yes>. for. <laughs> yeah, classy. Keep it at classy. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so this... Amp is basically 30 watts. Uh, I think Dave Friedman mentioned on a, was it a Sweetwater's video where he basically said it's kind of like the uh, BE pedal plus like a Class D power amp and some tweaks. And that's the amp. It's what, what was the price? 300? In Europe, it's going to be, I think, 350 euros or something. So yeah. Yeah, if you consider what the pedal costs. Yeah, I just want to say, by the way, I think it's an excellent idea for an amp, but it looks amazing, you know? I think mini amps are, like, 
they're kind of a novelty, you know, and this yeah. is a novelty as well. But what an awesome idea for a, a present for someone who's right now just sat at home and wants a Friedman amp and for 350 bucks or whatever you can get this mini version. I mean, the pedal is 200, 230 euros, I think, over here on its own. So add 100 euros for a 30 watt Class D amp and this beautiful little package, this mini Friedman amp, because it really looks like mm, a proper amp that got shrunk. And it's... It's a super cool idea. I, I'm a real fan of it. Yeah, I like it. And like, I also really appreciate the simplicity, like just tone controls and the speak out on the back. And there's also an effects loop, which I think it's a nice, cool detail. I know like uh, Hughes and Ketna sent me those mini amps nano series or something. And I think uh, like half of the comments I got on that were like, it's good. I wish it had an effects loop. People want their effects loops, so Friedman delivers. Yeah, I think not. Yeah, having an effects loop is a great advantage. Yeah, <clears throat> and a major disadvantage for the the amp companies that don't include an effects loop on a head like this, especially if there's no built-in reverb, because I think that's the main the main thing that people are looking for there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for amps like the H and K Spirit Nanos and the Orange Tiny Terra. And some of the other tiny amps out there, this is going to be some major competition. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like, um, what's his name? One of the guys that always demos Friedman's is like a studio guy. Uh, uh, Michael Nielsen. Nielsen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So he has a great channel. Yeah. And uh, in his uh, mini BE video, he actually mentioned that there's like a. a not a fail-safe thing, but like you don't need to have this amp plugged into a cabinet. I think you can even like run from the speaker out into your audio interface and then throw in a an input response, basically. So it's also like a great recording amp. And I think like yeah, exactly. Might... You you don't need a speaker. Yeah, yeah, and that makes it I... even more fun because I love the idea of having like small amps on your desktop and just record right from there. Like plug it in, you're good to go, and there's still like, I would guess there's still dynamics happening and like those mini amps nowadays, they like they also feel good to play and that, I like that a lot. Something that I like, it's something I'm missing when going digital. Like when I plug into a computer, I use a plugin, I'm not getting that same thing. So yeah, this thing sounds exciting. Like I hope to be able to try it out at some point. I th yeah, I me too. I mean. Yeah. Of course, if you like clean tones, it's nothing <laughs> for you because nope. you can hear on all the demos, even with the gain all the way down, it's still, you know, pretty crunchy. But who's buying a Friedman BE to play clean? You know, yeah. I think for what it does, it's amazing. And I, I would also love to try one at the earliest opportunity. Yeah, um, I guess in Europe, we'll be waiting a long time compared to America, where they already seem to have it. And if I look on the websites yeah. of the stores over here, it says available in a few months. Yeah. So, who knows when we'll get to see one? Yeah, that's the reality of products being like US products coming to Europe. It just takes time. But oh, that's another question. Do you, yeah. Sorry, do you, do you think that Mini BE is made in America? Because that's something which is missing from all the, the texts. It's not written on the back of the amp. So I assume it's not. Most but likely I don't know. not. I would love to know if it was. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty like... sure if it was, it would say made in America on the back and it like all their other products, but it, it doesn't yeah. say that. So, yeah, but it's been—it's clearly been left out of all the 
the marketing blurb and all the information on the website, it doesn't say what the country of origin is. So yeah, weird. On the back of the amp, you have the the Friedman logo, yeah, and the little Friedman company text, but it doesn't say made in the USA on it. So yeah, if anyone's got one and knows where it was made, let us know. Yeah. Not that it affects the quality of it for me. You know, I, I've worked for companies that have built in America, Europe, China, Asia, wherever. So I don't think that where something is built is necessarily reflective of quality automatically, but it would just be interesting to know. Yeah. Uh, I think there's like a rule in the EU that if you sell here, you need to tell the origin or like where it's manufactured. So maybe the EU versions will actually have that. Who knows? And Who maybe knows? that's why it's taking longer to get some over here. That Could that be. would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to me, what's exciting about this is also the fact that this means there will be more amps coming. And like, uh, I personally prefer Dirty Shirley maybe a bit more or even the JJ amp, which is a bit kind of dark and thicker sound. And like, I've been fortunate enough to play a lot of those amps. And yeah, I think Dirty Shirley is a bit more in my ballpark. And my guess would be that will probably be the second amp they'll put out. So yeah, that imagine the, cool. the whole Friedman lineup could appear yeah. as mini amps, and how cool would that be? And because they're part of the boutique amp distribution banner, mm. does that also mean that we might see some of the other brands coming out with mini heads just like this? Imagine a tiny Soldano. Imagine <laughs> the tiny Tone King. The options there, the the possibilities. Are wow. almost endless, and that would be that would be fantastic. Yeah. If it's pedals plus power amps as well, imagine companies like Wampler. Could you have like a Panthe a Wampler Pantheon amp, which is basically the circuitry from that pedal, which I love, mm. with a Class D power amp stuck to it, and that's, that's another cool. option for an amplifier. Yeah. I don't know if it is, but that would be fantastic. I mean, suddenly we'd have an oversaturated amp market, even more so than it ordinary normally is at this moment in time but still that would be super cool wouldn't it yeah well i i think it just makes sense to build those on so many levels because uh not a lot of people are able to afford the big heads and like even i think it just uh it's a bit more than a pedal sure but i think you get the whole package because you get the amp that you can place on your cabinet or on your desk or whatever and it's one of those th things, like something that uh, Blackmagic, the company I used to do the live streams and stuff like that, they do where they create these kind of entry-level products and you and like they have this path where you gradually upgrade to a bigger and more expensive things. And this is a yeah. great step towards that, I think. <laughs> it's smart <laughs> from uh, the business perspective as well. I like it. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, something else that... Was it this week? You know better about this. There's new Fender or Fender Squire guitars. Want to tell us more about it? Because I'm actually kind of yeah. confused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of new Fender Squire stuff coming out. That's that's all it is. There's quite a lot of new models that have been announced. So if people are watching this, go to your local guitar-based news websites, check it out there because there's a bunch of different colors and finishes and models. But the ones that have caught my eye are, there are a couple of classic vibe Esquires, which are the single pickup Telecaster variants. And there's a couple of 
classic vibe normal Telecasters in beautiful candy apple green and candy apple orange. So wonderful finishes, really, really eye-catching. And they're double bound as well. So there's binding on the front of the back and the body oh, cool. and they look fantastic. They will be a lot of fun. Definitely something I'd like to try out when I get the chance. I think the Esquire for me would be a great thing to look at because I've had so many, you know, single pickup P90 guitars here at Rich HQ recently. It will be nice to try a Fender Squire version. And there's also some really cool affordable Squire stuff come out. I'm going to click on my link that I have here, but it's a bunch of affinity stuff. Yeah. And in the UK, it retails for like £150. So That's imagine really what you can do in 2021. If you're a starting guitar player, you can get one of these Fender Squires and you could get one of those Friedman Mini BE heads. And for £500, which is like €600, Euros, mm. $650, $700 maybe, you could have a whole amazing setup for that price. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Affinity new Squires are super eye-catching. There's uh, Mustangs with the competition stripes in a super cool selection of colors. You've got like a black one with a gold stripe, a baby blue one with a uh, like a luminous orange stripe. There are some other Affinity Strats coming out as well, like some HSS ones in cool colors like seafoam green. And those are only 130 pounds. 130 pounds. That's yeah. how they can build them for that money. I do not know, but that's an amazing deal. And as always with budget stuff, I would say check them out in person if you can before you buy yeah. them because you never know about quality issues or at least be aware that you'll have to spend maybe 50 bucks to get a decent setup to make them more playable. But yeah, no brainers for me. I definitely want to try all of those out with the mini BE head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the good thing about those is like because we're talking about Fender, not not like Harley Benton, it's like that. Most of the stores will have them. That's the cool thing. Like compared to like when we're talking about Fender or I want to say Boss, like almost every single store has those. So that's really cool. And I'm going to guess they're going to push these at a very high volume as well. So like most of the stores will probably have a bunch available and like. Finland, well, it's May right now, so it's like a graduation season in a few months, like in a month or so here, for example, a lot of people get gifts, like it could be a guitar, a guitar starter pack or like a like something else like that as well. So I reckon they're going to sell a lot of these. They look good. I reckon so too, for, for all those reasons that you said. And also for guys like us, they're great modification platforms. Yeah. You know, if you love the Esquire, you might want to get it and set it up as best you can and put an aftermarket pickup in it, you mm -hmm. know, a Seymour Duncan or a Lola or whatever, just your pickup of choice and take it up another notch. And then you'd still be under 500 euros and you'd have this amazing gig quality guitar. So yeah, yeah. two thumbs up from me. Are we doing a thumbs up system? Well, we are now. <laughs> two thumbs up from me. Also for the mini BE head, two yeah, thumbs up. I know, I know. And I like the modification part is a really good point because uh, for example, I have the Harley Benton, like the Telekid, but the problem with that one is like it's completely unfinished and finishing a guitar is probably the mo one of the most uh, labor intensive and just more, most, more difficult things to do. So yeah. the fact that you can get like a most likely pretty well finished guitar and then you can start like swapping the hardware and stuff like that. That's a great idea. Something that I uh, actually kind of want to do at some point. Like, 
people have been suggesting me all kinds of giveaway things for X amount of subscribers. So maybe those are some of the ideas like the winner gets to pick their own Squire bullet or, so, or classic wipe and then will pimp it out to be something amazing. Like I've had a few episodes ago I mentioned I had the Squire classic wipe Telecaster. That was a great, like, yeah. not just like a good instrument, great instrument for the money and just a great instrument. Good pickups, good hardware. It's a bit more expensive than the these Bullet series things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I've also had the uh, Squire. I'm not sure what the series was, but, like, my first bass was that, a four-string jazz bass, and it was a Squire, and I kind of regret selling it. I sold it because I wanted a five-string, <laughs> and now I miss it. Because <laughs> it was damn good. Somebody had swapped like a pickups yeah. on it as well, and it was good. But yeah, cool looking guitars. We'll put a few links Absolutely. in the description so you can check them out. I'm watching at the, like looking at the Music Radar article, we'll throw in a few different articles so you can get a sense of what kind of guitars we're talking about. And one more thing Adam Jones from Tool has teased an Epiphone signature guitar. He has, yes. He put a picture on his Instagram this week saying that he'd received two new prototypes. And I don't think you can see the guitar itself, but he has a Gibson case there and an Epiphone case. And, you know, guys who are familiar with this channel will surely know that last year in 2020, there was the signature Gibson Custom Silver Burst Les Paul, the Adam Jones model. It was made in incredibly limited numbers. It was snapped up straight away and then flipped and resold for massive amounts of money on reverb. So I guess they knew what was going to happen. It was a massive hype machine and the Silver Burst finish got a massive amount of hype off it. You know, I often look at the local eBay uh, small ad listings in my region and you can see people selling kind of no-name brand guitars that are in a silver burst finish yeah. and they have adam jones in the listing just to bring it up and people are buying these things yeah. so people really have kind of a, an appetite for these guitars and being a les paul custom as well it's a solid solid instrument the gibson is out of reach of most people but an epiphone version i think people yeah. were saying straight away would be a great thing and now we have a picture a tantalizing teaser if you will <laughs> of what might be coming out later in the year so fingers crossed for summer nam or maybe even nam next year or whatever an epiphone version of the adam jones lp with the new epiphone headstock that's yeah. that's what it looks like whatever i'm waving my hands like right now i think that's <laughs> going to be super cool as well another guitar that i really want to try and again i'm going to stick both my thumbs up and say yeah what a lot of cool new gear is being kind of teasered this week exciting yeah. times i know i know like yeah this is getting two thumbs up from me as well <laughs> i guess this is our scoring system now let's go with that one yeah uh, like <laughs> there's a lot of variables that could be my, like my problem is i like everything so for me everything gets this yeah two <laughs> thumbs up then there's one thumbs up is there like a i don't know is this a flat thumb if like it's 90 degrees then like yeah that, one can, thumb yeah, that can down, be a thumb. two thumbs down that creates like a five point system Let's go with yeah, that that's one. Yeah, that's two thumbs, but so many options. I know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's one thumb up and one down nullify it. Is it like a... It's a neutral, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's yeah. just a... Meh, meh. Yeah, good. W we'll stick with that one. But yeah, like, 
<laughs> we talked about the Jared James Nichols signature a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. And I mean, this is Epiphone, like really, I, I, I wouldn't say reinventing themselves, but they're, they're kind of pushing the limit of like signature guitar in the sense like the Jared James Nichols one looks cool. It's probably pretty high quality as well. It's a bit pricey as well. And I... I like all of those things because the difference between like a high quality Epiphone price wise that is and like a actual Gibson signature it's, it's still like four thousand dollars or something so yeah this yeah exactly it's, it's a great way to to get hold of a guitar for someone who really wants that model but you know doesn't have the money for it like the vast majority of us don't actually and yeah, I love the way Epiphone is not scared to go with things which are not just relying on nostalgia. They have a freedom that Gibson doesn't. So yeah, you have yeah. the Jared James Nichols one. This Adam Jones one is super cool. And also this year there was the Emily Wolf Sheraton, mm. which I think, you know, I wasn't familiar with Emily Wolf's music before, but she's on my Spotify now and I enjoy it very much. And that Sheraton looks good. It's another one that I would like to try, you know, once the music stores open up again. Yeah. So well done, Epiphone. Well I'm done, not going to give them two thumbs up, but they deserve <laughs> it. So I will, actually. There you go. There you two go. thumbs up for everyone today. <laughs> Yay, we've been positive today. Uh, there's some yeah. speculation on musicradar.com about whether it's going to have like Gibson pickups in it and stuff like that. Uh, did the Jared James Nichols signature, it actually had like Seymour Duncan pickup in it, didn't it? It had a Seymour Duncan, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so, yeah, they're, they're not against even putting aftermarket pickups in it already. Yeah. I don't know what pickups Adam Jones himself used. I can't remember. I don't know uh, if he had Gibsons or if he had different stuff in there, but, yeah, go for it, Epiphone. Why not? Why not do that? Yeah, according to this article, it's a, uh, Bridge has, like, a, a reverse-mounted Gibson custom bucket. Oh, sorry, at the neck, it's, like, a reverse-mounted Gibson custom bucket and there's a Seymour Duncan okay. DDL bridge humbucker on on the Gibson model like this and they're speculating whether it's going to have those. If they're working with Seymour yeah. Duncan and other artist signature epiphones, I'm guessing this could happen. So that's cool. Yeah, and I mean it that's gonna significantly up the price, yeah. of course. But you know the the Jared James Nichols one, isn't that like Eight hundred euros over here, or something similar to that. So, yeah, you know, check. for that much money, I reckon you could put a Seymour Duncan in an Adam Jones guitar as well, and it would be amazing if they did. And maybe they could even consider doing two versions, like Gibson did. You know, mm -hmm. like a version with everything for eight hundred, and a version with maybe standard Epiphone Pro Buckers for five hundred or five fifty or whatever the price would be. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the Jerry James Nichols gold top one is six ninety nine at Thoman right now euros that is six nine nine okay yeah so, so I think that's reasonable like yeah I mean that's a lot of guitar for the money yeah plus you get a hard case if you get like proper pickups as well yeah thumbs yeah, up from exactly, me as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> according to our new scoring system we just came up with <laughs> yeah. Uh, one more thing I got to do, well, I got to do, I did a live recording session yesterday, which was a lot of fun, but also like, man, 
doing like a live streaming a recording session and making sure all the audio works is very very confusing to me at least and uh like watching it back it works fine most of the time i need to play with the built-in limiter in the streaming system but rich is resetting his camera as well as we speak uh good to go yes uh what happened was that i somehow managed to route the signal like like routing the signal from logic so you can hear what i'm recording and stuff like that uh, that was the most confusing part and i somehow managed to route it in a way where there was a little bit of delay between what i was hearing and what i was recording to and what actually got recorded so all of the tracks i recorded yesterday are like i don't know 0.2.5 seconds behind and I need to figure out what was going on there. I think there was like, there's some sort of delays happening somewhere, maybe like a plug-in latency yeah. or something. And mm. yeah, so all the tracks I recorded yesterday are unusable. <laughs> and I actually oh. recorded them this morning. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the stream, like because I was recording this power metal fast song, by the way, links below in the description, if you would check out that live stream. Uh, yeah, like some of the parts, especially the drum picking parts, um, it's like a running, I would say. Like if you don't actively practice it, when you suddenly need to do that again, uh, it takes time to warm up. Like yesterday, I had trouble warming up. Today, it was way better. It took me, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes to get all the rhythm tracks right. So yeah, yesterday was a warm up <laughs> that I did live. And then <laughs> in my own privacy, now I just recorded the whole thing and it was nice and fast and easy but i yeah. can see myself doing a lot of those in the future as well i also want to do things where i'll start writing a song from the scratch like completely blank slate and hop on the stream and maybe even ask you guys like what you want to want me to do or like give maybe a couple of options and we'll start from there and i would only write that song on those live streams every week or something like that. That could be fun. Just That's throwing cool out idea. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun, but I need to figure out some of those technical issues. And the only real way to do that is to actually put those live, which is kind of annoying, but also, yeah, that's how you have to do it, I'm, I guess. Because there's always something. There's just always something that comes up when doing those. All right, so I gotta say, there's so many bands that I want to mention. Like, just as soon as I started thinking about this topic, I was like, boom, 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 boom. But I'll actually yeah, let too. you go. I'll let you go first. Let's just like do. Are you sure? Let's do one band okay. at time. Time. Um, just before we start, does it have to be bands that are active now? Um, well, I, I kind of like. Do you mean that is it possible to see them live, like in the yeah, future? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, like you, you, can, I, you, can I can I say the Beatles, <laughs> for example? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> let's go with like let let's be realistic here or something like. Okay, that. bands who we have a chance of seeing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. So I won't say the Beatles. Let me start by saying, for the longest time, it was Kings of Leon. Bizarrely, I just never 
got to see them and I would have wanted to see them in the early 2000s when their first album uh, Youth and Young Manhood came out I, I loved that record and they were very very highly regarded as a live band great indie southern rock vibes but I just never got to see them and I still haven't so I would love to yeah so to me the first band that uh, I kind of started thinking of was Gojira for for some reason like I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the band. Like, I really appreciate what they do. They're, like, one of the few bands that, uh, to me at least, managed to sound different from all of the other metal bands. And I've seen a few of their live shows on YouTube, and they sound freaking amazing. Uh, I don't know if I would get bored by the show, like, during the show, <laughs> because I, I love that kind of music but in small doses so let's put it that way like it's not Gojira's fault it's like if there's no like um, vocal melody lines the same way like I don't know pop music has or something like that I just I just noticed that I'm starting to tune out at some point yeah so. I, I've seen Gojira live I saw oh. them back when I lived in England the last time um, that must have been like 2010 or something somewhere around there and it was when from Mars to Sirius was kind of a thing, and they were still like ah. on a much lower level than they are now. But people had started to realize that they are actually really, really good, and <laughs> it was a great show. I don't remember that much about it. I wasn't into them as much as I should have been, perhaps, but it was still really, really powerful. And just watching some of the polyrhythms and stuff that they yeah. do, it was it was a show that I still remember. And um, I I would go and watch them now if I was at a festival or something. I would definitely go and see them, but it's not so much my thing anymore. I mean, they're an incredibly impressive band for me, but I have the feeling that Gojira is like the metal player's version of John Mayer, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you're a guitar player, if you like blues and stuff, you idolize John Mayer for whatever reason. And if you like progressive metal or modern metal, you say that Gojira is the, the number one thing to aim for. So yeah. great for them there. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just... I guess I'm getting old as well, and I'm going off metal. <laughs> How sad. Yeah. Two thumbs up for me, though, anyway. <laughs> Are we grading this one know. as well? <laughs> well? We have to drop this rating system. It is a non-starter. But anyway, let me move swiftly on and tell you my, my second yes. band. And I have actually seen them once. It's The Strokes. And mm. I saw them at a festival, and that was right at the start as well. But I would have given anything to have seen them at their own show around that time when the modern age ep and then is this it their first album came out that must have been 2001 i guess they were so so good and, and that first record is this it that's one of my favorites of all time um and that's why i didn't mention them last week when we talked about our favorite gigs because i only saw them at a festival mm. um and i didn't yeah. want to count it for that reason but they were so so good and I wish I could have seen them do their own thing at that time. Such yeah. a massive inspiration on me and my songwriting and guitar playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next band is Megadeth. And this is mm. partially because that, like, because of the whole COVID thing, like, a festival was cancelled in Finland in June and Megadeth was supposed to play there. And... I'm kind of bummed out. Like, that was the band I was looking for seeing the most at that festival. Just, yeah. like, 
I'm not like a gigantic Megadeth fan in the sense that I know all of the albums and stuff like that, but the few, like the classics, Rust in Peace and... Uh, what is it? Countdown to Extin Extin Extinction? Difficult word to pronounce for me today. Uh, <laughs> so, if, if I might have also messed up the album names. Anyway, those albums are like absolute classics. Those are the few albums I do know from like the first song to the last song, and just seeing them at least once would have been really cool and because also the reality is like Dave Mustaine well he's endured a lot over the years but like I'm unfortunately the reality is that they, he kind of I guess has like finite amount of time before he'll have to call it quits I guess yeah so yeah that's why I'm kind of bummed yeah. out that, that didn't happen so yeah that's yeah. a shame Megadeth no. number two on my list, or like the second, <laughs> not number two, more lists. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Megadeth is my second choice. Let's put it that way. Okay, that's a good choice. My third choice is Block Party. Ooh. You can see already that we're going in our different directions here. Like I'm totally indie, pretty much, and you're more kind of a bit more oomph, a bit more metal, a bit more rock. But yeah, Block Party when their first album, Silent Alarm, came out. I didn't get it, I don't think. And I've listened to it ever since then. It's possibly like 15 years old, that record, maybe even older. But Silent Alarm is a, a masterpiece of an album and I wish I'd been able to see the original lineup play that record and Little mm. Thoughts, the single from before that album. You know, back in the day, that would have been amazing. I've never seen them play live anywhere at a festival or a show or whatever. And that will probably never happen now because the original lineup is no longer together, so... Uh, yeah, I shame. See. Yeah, would love to, though. <laughs> As one of our commenters, uh, shame. Shame. Shame, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yes, my two choices were kind of metal, but the third one is actually John Mayer. I want to see that man <laughs> there live. You go. <laughs> I would love to see him live as well. Yeah. Why not? It would, because, be, like, it would be a learning thing, too. Yeah, because I want to experience, like, his live shows that you can see on YouTube, great. But I think you kind of need to be able to appreciate the dynamics and like everything that's happening in that show because when the like he usually has a pretty big band, so like the dynamics between like him him just starting a song with just guitar and vocals to going to the full band, it's probably a very different experience when you're experiencing it live at a venue compared to watching on YouTube. So yeah, and like everybody who has seen him live have have always said like that that's been like one of the best gigs they've seen so oh yes yeah absolutely i want to see him live one day when that will be possible unfortunately i don't think he's ever come to finland like the closest one you can get is like in sweden so he was in denmark last year i remember uh, because i was talking to one of my friends who works for toman and he is danish but mm -hmm. lives you know, in the town where Toman is in Germany, and he went up to see him in, I think, Copenhagen. Yeah. Ah, I see. Wait, that can't have been last year, can it? There can't have been any uh, gigs last year last, in Copenhagen, but last, the year before then. Yeah. The year before COVID. Year. Ah, so that's 2019, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah. It's weird, like, there's a, just like a gap year in gigs and live stuff. Weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. You got more? Yeah, I got... More, I got more always. Um, 
My next one would be Jason Isbell. Um, mm. Again, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's like a country Americana, Southern rock sort of a guy. He used to be in a band called Drive By Truckers. Now he's a solo artist. And I wish I could have seen him around the time of his first two or three solo records. He was tiny at that point, and he came and played in a, a venue very close to me when I worked at JHS, Leeds Irish Centre, like a, a tiny little place. It would have cost nothing to go and see him. I would have been, you know, like three metres away from him watching him play these songs, these emotional, heart-wrenching songs, which I absolutely love, um, from the album Southeastern, which is my mm. favourite and the one I would recommend from him. And now he's gone on to win Grammys and stuff. He's huge. And I will never have the chance to see him in that intimate environment, yeah. which is something I regret and which is a, a shame. Yeah. I mean, props to him. He, he's done amazingly well. He's super successful now. And he is also a, a very, very good guitar player. And he owns a 59 Les Paul as well. So he, he's well into his gear. And he has amazing rig rundowns on Premier Guitar, which go on for ages and ages. But he's so into the whole thing. Love that guy. Wish I could have seen him back when he was just doing songs with an acoustic guitar for 50 people in a smoky room without smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm going to pivot on that a little bit because like when you mentioned the amazing reground downs, I was about to mention a different band, but I'm going to say Bon Jovi just because John Shanks and his amazing reground downs, <laughs> which also yeah. take ages. He has like, I don't know, 50 guitars with him on the tour. Uh, yeah, I, like this one Rick ran down from a few years ago now where I think he goes through like 20 guitars at least. Like it's like an hour and a half Rick run down. Felix is like 15 minutes at the end and everything else is John <laughs> Shanks. <laughs> I mean, he, he's also an amazing player. Like j just, just seeing them live once would be awesome. I know like, unfortunately, John isn't like, well, he has quite a lot of miles singing live so i completely understand that and I, I feel like they're doing great job like all the other guys in the band like really lift him up like they do big vocals together and stuff like that so that's cool and also being able to see phil x a guy who we know up there that would be amazing fingers crossed one yeah. day thumbs up something like that one of those. Yeah, scales. that's one. That's one which is possible. There is a, a distinct possibility there that you will get to do that. Yeah. Maybe even in the next year or two. Fingers Hopefully. crossed. Hopefully, that would be amazing. Want to mention yeah. another I one? A, yeah, I have just a few like small indie ones who like no one is going to know, but I'm just going to say them anyway. Adam Green probably means nothing to anybody there, but Adam Green is a great that's, indie that's the first singer songwriter. With a, yeah, that's the first one I don't know with a good sense of humor. He used to be in a band called The Moldy Peaches. Now he's a solo artist and does films and stuff as well. Would love to have seen him play. I saw The Moldy Peaches, but never saw Adam Green. Uh, Tube Lord. Tube Lord was a three-piece British indie alt-rock thing. Like mm. they, they made amazing noise for three guys. Great melodies, great use of weird time signatures. Like the first Biffy Clyro records before they got really famous. If you like that kind of music, dig a tube lord out and try the album Our First American Friends. Really, really good. I, I absolutely love that record. Uh, the Tallest Man on Earth, who maybe you know, Vlad. He's Scandinavian. Don't know where he's from. He might even ah. be Norwegian or Swedish. But he is a, a very, very good singer-songwriter and he is the guy who introduced me to 
most of the alternative acoustic tunings that I use. Mm. And he has a bunch of amazing records. My favorite ones of him are the earlier ones where it's basically just him recording live with an acoustic guitar, but great guy would love to see him at some point. And I also put a couple of country artists on my list. I put the Pistol Annies, which is like a, a three-piece supergroup, but they have a couple of really, really good records. And Brad Paisley, why not? Because we're guitar players. Yeah, absolutely. And then I said, yeah, The Darkness. I've never seen The Darkness live. Yeah, I I'm going to stick that. Could. Yeah. Uh, are this they're still active, right? Like the darkness that is. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think in the way that they were. But anyway. Okay, yeah, could um, be. And in the same similar vein to your Bon Jovi, I said Bruce Springsteen. I'm not yeah. like his biggest fan, but I just feel like going into an arena and just experiencing that with his band and everything and his showmanship, it would probably just be amazing. Yeah. So like uh, the last band I want wanted to mention is kind of in the same ballpark for me like I like a lot of their music but I'm not like a super fan in that sense but I'd say Coldplay because like a lot is it live at Buenos Aires or something I've been listening I think I listened to that yesterday and it's one of the best live albums I I've ever heard I've, I'm noticing like I'm getting more and more into like lava albums but different bands and Coldplay's one is just it's very very good yeah yeah I can imagine live they're a lot of fun yeah so that's also something that could actually happen so that's good yeah yeah possible one of these days there's a lot of bands <laughs> we covered I need to rewatch this just to remember all of them. <laughs> but. I have three more. I, I decided to write down the metal bands Do that I never saw. Do it. Uh, Do it. The Ghost of a Thousand, which was an amazing hardcore punk band from the UK in the early mid 2000s. Unfortunately, I never saw them live, but they have two amazing albums. Killswitch Engage. They were my favorite band for quite some time, about 20 years ago when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, same for me. Yeah, when the end of Heartache yes. came out, early 2000s, late 90s even, I don't know. Uh, I was a, a young teenager or a teenager I'm or whatever. I'm going to say it's like 2003, 2005-ish, somewhere like in that. Oh, really? Okay, so I was, yeah, a student then, early 20s or something. Yeah. I loved that record and that was very influential for me as a guitar player as well. But the melodies on it are what yeah. made it so good, you know, um, and the singing. Too. Yes. so it had the crushing brutal riffs and amazing catchy hooks love that record still do wish i could see them live and finally comeback kid which is a, a melodic hardcore or hardcore punk band and they have an amazing album called wake the dead which probably came out at a similar sort of time i never got to see them live but wish i had yeah sounds really good like i i have to second on the kill switch engage thing because is it end of an heartache? What what is that? Is that the album from them that everybody that kind yeah of I think it is yeah the one with Rose of Sharon on it and uh, yeah, yeah it's it has just, to be there. I think everybody it's the album where like the cover is like a heart with loads of yes. pins stuck in it yeah that's two thousand for me that's there two thousand and four yeah. so I was twenty I guess when that yeah. came out yeah and then there's the uh, I think As Daylight Dies was even bigger for me. I th there was some game, uh, was it like Guitar Hero 3 or like some skateboarding game or something like that where 
I think My Curse was one of the songs on that album and it was like okay this is this is the stuff like it introduced me to drop C tunings and stuff like that as well <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I bet there's like a huge amount of guitar players who, like those two albums were the thing that kind of turned them into drop tunings and stuff like that so Speaking of live streams, I got to be part of a professionally done live stream this Sunday. Unfortunately, due to restrictions set by one of the guests, most of the show is not on YouTube, so I can't even like show you a clip from there. But basically, shame. shame. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's all good. Uh, Yeah, shame. Two thumbs down from me something like that uh yeah it was it was fun to be part of a professionally made live stream uh compared to what i was doing yesterday uh because like we had a director there we had three camera people we had professional audio and stuff like that and it was a lot of fun it's really cool to see like we didn't have like crazy cameras or anything just basic dslrs with decent lenses and few lights something that i have here as well a couple of those you can see behind me on youtube those and a few bigger ones and like fairly simple setup i'd say but when you know how to use them you can do so so great looking stuff and like i did check it out a bit on youtube and it just looked and sounded really professional and we had like one of finland's best known like rock artists there he basically uh just he's kind of a solo act but he always plays with a band and like a really cool band i've seen him live three times i think his shows are freaking amazing and yeah it was just a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff and i guess it kind of reminded me of like what you can do when (laughs) what kind of results you can get when you have people that know what they're doing let's put it that way (laughs) yeah I think, I genuine think it's, professionals yes i think it's good to sometimes be part of those type of things as well same goes with music like when you get to play in a band where everything's like really well organized and you for example only need to focus on your own thing and stuff like that it's really fun because uh, most of the times it's like uh, you are putting together a church band you are providing them with like sheets for like all the songs you like decide the arrangements you try to organize when we are rehearsing when we are recording and it, all of that kind of stuff sometimes <laughs> i need to figure out where the drummer will actually get the drums because they don't have their own drums and <laughs> yeah this was nice i just showed up did my camera operation thing and helped to clean up and went home it was great i'm happy two <laughs> thumbs up yes yeah, two thumbs up it's exactly like me with this show you know it's like you invited me to be a guest on it i basically turn up when you tell me to i talk nonsense for as long as you need me to then i turn off my camera give you the files and you turn it into this beautiful cat pick friday show for the world to enjoy so yes exactly. that's the thing if, if i was doing it you know if it was the other way around and i had to organize you and come up with all the topics and do all the hard work behind the scenes it would probably still be fun but it's it's a different thing you know yeah i like that that option of slotting into a well-oiled machine and just being <laughs> one piece that is contributing to its success in some way but not having to worry about the you know the behind the scenes consequences and the administration and all that kind of stress because i have the rest of that elsewhere in my life 
yeah that's good like we need those things in our lives where we don't have to be the main person doing that thing all the time yeah exactly it, it does good for you when you're able to focus on just one thing right right now i'm sending rich a photo that he needs for the next section because i forgot to send it to him like <laughs> That's how you do this. Uh, let's talk about a Les Paul guitar that I really regret selling. And I sent you a picture on Dropbox, by the way, <laughs> on, on Facebook chat. Check it out, so we know, so you know what we're talking about. In my guitars, we are again talking about my guitar history and the next guitar well last week we talked about the gibson mid-10 custom another gibson gibson les paul standard 2012 model and first of all i got this uh, at the time i'm gonna say it was 2013 because uh the one I got was on sale, so I think Gibson had already announced the 2013 models. And not a local store, I actually drove quite a lot of miles or kilometers to buy this in like northern West Finland. And there was a store that had two of them available, there was like a what do you call that? Is that a sunburst, cherry burst? Is that a cherry burst? Yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a cherry sunburst or whatever they would call it. Yeah. Yeah. So they had that one and then one in like gray burst, and I AB'd them for quite a while, and ended up with this one, both because of the color, but it just spoke to me a bit more. And yeah. It again smelled like vanilla, but not as much as the Gibson Midtown <laughs> Custom I had. We talked about last week because that like that made the whole room and almost the whole apartment smell like vanilla. This was like <laughs> reasonable, and uh, at this time, I think the 2012 models were the first one where they uh, introduced this kind of some people call it like a taco shaped weight relief. So when you look at the like cutout photos of the guitar with the top off, there's like kind of taco shaped weight relief things that. Both made it lighter, but also, I guess, improved resonance of the guitar Yeah, a bit. So I think 2012 was the first year they did that. I'm not 100% sure, but I vaguely remember that was the case. Uh, this was also had an asymmetrical neck, meaning like the kind of apex point of the neck shape isn't uh, centered, but it was slightly... Uh, to the left, to the right, how, you, like, how would you describe it? Basically, like where your thumb and index finger meet, like it was slightly kind of upper, on the upper side of things. Okay, interesting. It, I, I've never heard about that or played a guitar like that, as yeah. far as I know. Yeah. Interesting. It, and how, how was, was it different to a normal one? Did it feel different? Yeah, I think it was like, as a less, because it also had a compound radius. As well, so like compound radius means that uh, on the upper frets it's more traditional, like 9.5 radius, and I think yeah. it went all up to 12, so it gets flatter the higher you get on the neck. So it was like it's easily the most comfortable Les Paul I've ever played, and like medium size fret, jumbo ish fret, something like that. It was a bit more modern, let's put it that yeah. way. And, and what pickups were in there? I'm going to say it. they were like 
just the burst buckets, one of those the uh, yeah. burst bucket pros, mm -hmm. I guess, as well. But uh, and it also had, yeah, and there was it's there back. was also some different things uh, wiring wise. Yeah, basically that guitar also had an, an unusual wiring. Yes, there's four pots as on all the Les Pauls, but I think that one of the pots was like a push uh, pull pot for coil split. And then there was something, okay. I don't know how it's called, like what's the official name of that wiring, but like a kind of a bypass switch where no matter what your pickup selector switch settings or your knob settings were, if you would pull that knob out, uh, it would basically bypass everything else but go from the bridge pickup straight to the output, bypassing all the tone pots and stuff like that. And that had a very different sound compared to the bridge humbucker in a kind of normal wiring as well so there was a lot there was a lot going on, on in that guitar and to me personally it was the most comfortable les paul i ever played and yeah this I, all sounds amazing and and yeah. my very first question is going to be why did you get rid of that guitar i mean it sounds super comfortable it looks amazing from that picture and it seems like you bonded with it and it had so many amazing sounds i mean i feel like that's the kind of les paul I would quite like to own something with a bit more modern flexibility, like my, my Epiphone Les Paul has coil tapping or splitting, whatever it is, and I really love those extra features. So why did you get rid of this guitar? I had to. Uh, me and my wife were students. At the time, we lived in a student apartment. Uh, in Finland, uh, it's not that common that you also work when you're a student. And I think my old laptop broke or something like, basically I needed a new laptop, I think. So wait, 2013 means, yeah, uh, I was between jobs, as they say, at that moment. And because like I started my school in 20, 2008, so I wasn't like an active student in that sense, but I need had to work on my thesis, graduation thing, whatever it's called. And we basically needed a second laptop. It was kind of impossible. Like my wife needed a laptop for lectures and going to school. And I also needed one and yeah, just didn't have the money. And there was quite yeah, a lot so of money invested to... in that guitar. I, I think it sold within like hours when I put it on sale. Yeah, no surprises there. Oh, right. So, so this is one that you didn't sell because you fell out of love with it, but you sold no. it through financial necessity in the end. Uh, yeah. What a what a what a shame again because that looks like an amazing instrument do you by any chance remember who it was sold to is there any possibility that you could one day get that guitar back because i kind uh, of feel like that guitar would also you know i've never seen you playing it i don't know if there's videos of you with it but it just looks mm. like it would suit you very well as well uh, so get it back if you can there's a like i so sold it through the musician's side like that I think that's still the biggest like uh, used guitar gear market in Finland, and I might go through like messages there and see if I can find it from like 2013 era or so. Maybe I can find that person somewhere. Like yeah, who knows? I bet I bet there's not that many models of that specific Les Paul in Finland. Yeah, I've never even heard of that specific one before either. So it's like. 
if it's still there, you never know. Maybe one day you'll end up getting it back again. What a what an amazing story and what a super cool video that would make. That that'll be so much fun. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think they ended up. I, this was the era. Like, I think 2012 model was the one when they got rid of the robot tuners. <laughs> And then they did uh, another some, plus point. Yes, and again in 2013, I think they again like revamped that because well, people started complaining about stuff. So yeah, yeah. But for me, that specific exact that exact 2012 model was like the guitar. So yeah, maybe one day. Like just looking at the picture, oh, I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I don't have yeah. a lot of guitars here or anything like that, but. Yeah, I do want to have like a Gibson Les Paul just because it's a Gibson Les Paul. But I don't. I'm not going to buy a new one. I will. I will probably buy something like this. I'd say, yeah. may, and then maybe swap the electronics or something. I don't think I need cold splits or anything like that on it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's a sad, sad story. Let's put it that way. But that's the reality <laughs> when you're a student yeah. and don't have that much money. So, yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day. And yeah, next it's time to dive into a couple of your questions and comments, which are actually kind of um, not really questions and comments, but we'll use those as topics for our show. Let's dive in then next. Questions and comments. Wells 306 uh, replied to our last week's episode where we talked about uh, praise and worship market or like musicians in that genre i guess driving the gear market quite a lot there was an interesting article we discussed last week and he basically he she that person took time to uh, kind of talk a bit more about what kind of scene they're part of and it was really interesting to hear a bit more because like as i mentioned last week i'm kind of just guesstimating here being from finland if our church music culture is very different it's based on completely different things that they have here because we have hundreds of years of tradition of how it's been done and how like we are radicals for even bringing guitars into the church or something like that maybe over exaggerating a little bit but kind of that's the situation. So it was really interesting to read. And I really appreciate this person taking the time to enlighten us a little bit because, yeah, here we also, I guess, got some uh, confirmation to our suspicions of like, uh, yes, one of the reasons it's a very big and significant market is the fact that they do gig every week. Uh, a lot of people, like those people's uh, income isn't dependent on music so they can actually kind of they have jobs and then they can invest in gear as well and like to invest in gear because they find their work or like them doing music at church really important and yeah really appreciate you taking the time and sharing what it's like to be a praise and worship musician in us yeah i read that comment as well and i thought it was amazing that they took the time to write so much mm. in depth and i'm happy that they agreed with you know some of our points and also expanded on the mm. stuff that we said and gave so many valid and interesting opinions about what it's like 
you know, actually to be in that perspective, I, I assume they are someone who is playing in a band in an American church regularly. Yeah, I um, so. So, yeah, if anyone watched the show last week and wants to hear more from someone who is actually connected, just go back and read the comment from Wells 306. And it's really well written as well, which I personally, as a writer, appreciate yes. too. So, <laughs> Wells 306 gets two thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing it's... Uh, Wells also mentioned that... Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> this is a quote from Wells. Uh, it's also worth mentioning, though, that many of us do suffer from dad rock syndo syndrome. Eric can probably empathize. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So I, I really appreciate that kind of honesty as well. And like this mentions that church musicians are also as guilty with gas. Yes, I get that. But yeah, <laughs> thank you. This was a great read. And for anyone listening or watching, check out last week's episode on YouTube. And you can find that comment there. It would take us ages to read this. So yeah, do that. Moving on to the next one, which is from... How do you pronounce the flop? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go with flopper. 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 Uh, this comment was made on the Harleband and Amarok Baritone Guitar demo I did a few weeks ago. I'm losing track of time. Some weeks ago. <laughs> and this person asked a bunch of different questions. And I think it was kind of interesting. Like, for example, uh, this person is asking, is the transition from a normal scale to 27-inch scale difficult? Does it feel harder to play? Is it harder to play rhythm or lead? And... I kind of wanted to go through these questions and give my thoughts on it. But first, have you ever played a baritone guitar? Are you familiar with those? Yeah, I have, but I've never owned one and I've only ever played them in stores so or at music events. So I'm very inexperienced with them. And yeah, I guess from that perspective, I would say it is a bit of a jump from playing a normal mm. guitar. For, for lots of the reasons that are in the question. I play bass as well. I have a bass at home. And I also notice when I jump from a six string guitar to a bass scale length to thicker strings to a different way of playing and approaching the instrument, it is a jump for me. So mm. I'm interested to hear what you say, Vlad, when you go through these questions here. Uh, I actually mentioned that for whatever reason, playing lead is, I kind of feel it's a bit easier because I feel there's more room to operate somehow for my left hand I don't, I'm not sure why it is exactly but I kind of enjoy that and yeah so that that's why I don't need I wouldn't necessarily say it's harder to play but I do think for my picking hand it's a bit more difficult because you do need to apply more force to do like well for example I was recording some metal chugga chugga thing yesterday you do need more force on your right hand and yeah it was really kind of emphasized yesterday when i was trying to do those riffs and it's that strings are a bit thicker and you just need to apply more force on it so my hand was tired at just like few takes but you do get used to it pretty quickly and like your brain learns to like when you switch between the guitars it takes just a few seconds to adjust now that I've played the guitar for several months but mm -hmm. 
yeah it might feel different at first but it's uh, I'd, I'd still say like going from a six string to a seven string is a bigger change than this one because you kind of can do all the same things on a baritone than you would do on a normal six string it's just lower a fourth lower i think so that's kind of cool and the second question was, is this difference in tone clarity from using a baritone? Or like, is this a difference? Is it significant? Uh, all I can say, it just sounds different. And as I mentioned in my in that demo video was like, all the traditional riffs like Sweet Home Alabamas and stuff, they just sound so weird and interesting when played that much lower. The sound like... I don't know, to me it feels like they get like a slightly darker tone to, like if you play, I think I played uh, Blackbird by Beatles in it, <laughs> in that video, and it just sounds weird and slightly dark and dangerous, and I kind of like that, so that's one yeah. of the reasons some people might want to get a bad return guitar, just play the same thing, but it's slower and it just sounds very different. Yeah. So that's one. Um, does the baritone feel like a limiting instrument? Would it be bad as a main instrument? Uh, I'd say no, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It's just different. As I mentioned, there's a different vibe to it sound-wise. It's just, uh, there's a darker tone quality, I guess, to it because it's low tuning and yeah, even the happier things don't sound as happy to me on it. <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Really yeah, I don't see why it would be limiting. It's like it, it is a fully feature, featured instrument, you know. I mean if mm. if you bought one and then you wanted to play exactly the same high pitched solos that you might on a normal six string, those notes might physically not be there. But that's yeah. that's the only reason when I could think of it being limiting mm. and in another way a normal six string guitar is limited in that it doesn't have the low notes that a baritone would have so yeah. I, I just think it's a do it's a different you know you're playing in a different key effectively you're yeah. going down from standard e tuning or drop d to is it normally like a b or an a tuning uh, it might be is, or even a like... whole octave down on a bass six guitar yeah yeah this is in b the one I have at least. And yeah. um, I've actually played in a folk band, band where our other guitar player used a baritone telly as well. And there's definitely, like if we talk about music uh, from like an emotional perspective, I guess, I think baritone, like when you use a baritone guitar, it's such, uh, such like for most people, it's a less familiar sound. And mm. there's definitely like this, I think he used it effectively for this kind of a darker tone when we wanted to create some maybe slightly darker ambience or mood because it was like a very kind of moody ambient uh, folk band anyway um, I think for those kind of things as well like it's it's a darker thing that's how I would yeah. describe it some other people might find it completely different but that's how I felt about it yeah I would definitely agree about the ambient atmospherics of a baritone two of the kind of the atmospheric ambient players that I enjoy the most are Chords of Orion mm. and Rabia Massad. And Rabia doesn't always play a baritone. And the guy, Bill, at Chords of Orion doesn't always either. But I think he pretty much 
almost always does play a baritone and he plays yeah. often quite clean with a bunch of different delays and reverbs going on and it sounds absolutely fantastic for that so if yeah. you're looking if flopper is looking for something to also play clean atmospheric stuff just watch chords of orion and rabia and you'll know that a baritone is in no way limiting to do that kind of thing it's absolutely perfect for it yeah. the low notes are not extra muddy or anything like that I mean, the second question there is about tone and clarity. And I don't think you suffer at all from playing a baritone in that kind of a context. Yeah. Uh, fourth question was, would a baritone tune to D drop C with appropriate string gauge that is uh, sound more defined than a normal scale length or do the baritone sonic advantages only appear in low tunings? This is something that I, I don't feel I have the knowledge to answer, to be honest. Like... There's so many things that play into like a defined sound, if you will, the bridge quality, the pickups, the not like well, everything in the guitar affects that. So I don't think the scale plays the most uh, like the biggest part in that. And also, I'm not sure like you would probably have to go with pretty thin strings if you want to go to drop C with that scale length. It would probably feel very different to play, and it might be just <laughs> yeah. the thing that you're looking for. But sound-wise, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is something you would normally want to do with a baritone. That's something for a more standard guitar scale length. It sounds to me from this question like Flopper is going to have one guitar, right? Yeah. So it's either going to be a baritone or a normal scale length, and maybe there's some worry there that. If they go for a baritone, they might not be able to play more standard tunings. Of course, what you could do is just go for the baritone and put a capo on whichever fret you need, yeah. and then it's tuned up to D or E or C or whatever you want to do with it. That's not going to be quite the same as playing a normal guitar, of course, but I think that would be better than getting a baritone, which is supposed to be tuned to B, and then trying to tune it up to standard tuning, which is just going to mess with your setup massively it's gonna you know it's not gonna play nice it might even you know you might cause the guitar neck to bend out of shape it i wouldn't recommend that at all yeah very possible and like i know some people are allergic to putting a cape on an electric guitar but i use that a lot i use that uh, all the, all the time and it yeah it just works so well so whatever someone might be telling you you can use a capo on an electric guitar that's one of the topics <laughs> we might discuss some other time if we want to. <laughs> and question number five, am I stupid for considering this? No, you're not. I think these are Absolutely great questions no. to ask and hopefully what we are discussing here helps someone else as well to decide whether they want to get a baritone guitar or not because to me it's been a revelation. Like it, It's just very different and I kind of want to have a low tuned instrument in my arsenal like just always have one because it's it's not just for metal but for example uh let's say i'm recording a song that needs to have like a lot of guitars you have, want to have like a wall of guitars even like a traditional rock song or if you for example watched any like studio documentaries of full fighters i think what's pat smear what what's his last name yeah uh he, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he pretty much always plays like low tune slash baritone guitar in that band because there's three guitar players. He occupies a different sonic space between the two other electric guitars and a bass. Uh, 
and it just makes sense. It sounds huge. And like, uh, was it Sonic Highways documentary? Like, I think it tracked, like the only guitars he tracked in all the whole album were like baritone things because it just makes it sound huge. And yeah, baritone is a fun guitar. Everyone should have one. Sounds like yeah, a topic I need for, one. Yeah, exactly. Sounds that, like a topic yeah. for a different video. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for writing those questions. They, they were really fun to go through and like actually kind of as I was writing a response, I actually had to like process of like, what am I actually thinking about this thing? So it was really fun to dive into those. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Yeah. If you got some other questions you think we should discuss, leave a comment on Facebook or shoot me a DM on Instagram, for example. And before we wrap up, let's quickly talk about Trey's songwriting contest once again, because boy, oh boy, those things are hilarious. Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Watch it! Video! It's not like you have anything else to do. Yeah, this week's Weekend Watch is once again Trey Xavier's uh, Gear God's songwriting contest 200,000 subscribers thing. As I mentioned earlier, uh, that, sh that show has become a much, mu much must watch for me because just, uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly, there's like out of all of the entries they've had, Maybe like five songs had vocals. Everything else is just riffs, 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 and more riffs that actually just repeat on... Yeah, it's incredible. I know. I've been watching the videos now. Like, you you told me about this, and I've been caught up in it as well. And it's, it's actually really interesting to hear what, you know, guitarists in 2021 are coming up with when they're asked to come up with a song like that. And I guess that most people who watch Trey's channel are into metal, but yeah, mm. I, I've been loving watching his reactions to these, what does he call them? Riff salads? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I li I, like riffs are not song. <laughs> I, that's something that's stuck in my head now. Because that's, uh, that's actually probably another interesting topic for a future live stream, but when you consider some of the progressive metal bands who are quite famous today and don't have mm. vocals how do you move from being a riff salad to being a band which is actually writing songs without vocals if yeah. it's complex time signatures if you're not repeating verse chorus sections it's a tricky thing to do yeah definitely. but yeah i really in the context of trey i really feel for him he's had to have a lot of dedication <laughs> to make it through some of those entries some of them are amazing some of them are not quite so good but yeah yeah overall as well you've got to say that the standard of things that people are producing at home these days in terms of how they sound and you know getting drums and bass yeah. and guitar down it's like it's pretty amazing isn't it i remember the stuff i made when i was a kid on a little single tape recorder mm. yeah different planet yeah in that sense it's it's really cool to hear like the average production quality is great and yeah. as you mentioned, there's been few entries, like even instrumental entries that are, have been great. And uh, the two emotions I have been experiencing there is also like, oh man, there's so many, like there's so few amazing ideas in that song, but it's not really a song because you just like, as Trey has mentioned in those videos, like this needs like a lead line, a vocal line. And I actually like, really love your topic suggestion. Maybe we can dive into that next week because 
there are some instrumental artists that like they combine riffs and leads and stuff like that it, and it does feel like a song even though it's not like Joe Satriani any type of thing where there's like a backing track thing and then there's a lead line they do something else like Pliny is one of great examples of that for example Australian mm. artist I think yeah um, I think he's Australian yeah we, we should dive into that a bit next week but yeah take a look at those reaction videos they're just absolutely hilarious uh, the latest one yeah I was I had this stupid grin on my face for 30 minutes my wife was asking like what are you watching like what's so funny <laughs> And I mean, like, also, I, I know that songwriting is something we're both passionate about as well. So, like, it it kind of hits me pretty hard to see those, like, it, yeah, love, yeah, I mean, love for that the, thing. Yeah, for these guys taking part who are just doing riffs after riffs, you just wish that somewhere out there on the internet there was, like, an affordable songwriting course that could oh, help yeah. them get better at doing it. I just... I wish there was something like that out there somewhere. Yes, and there's definitely no such thing in the description, for example, of this YouTube video slash podcast. Um, yeah. I might even throw in a discount code for anyone who's watching. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, discount code. I feel Trey's pain. <laughs> <laughs> for a, <laughs> or yes. something like that. Exactly. All right. I think it's time to wrap up this week's Cat Pick Fridays. Thank you, Rich, for joining me once again. We'll see what Thanks kind for of me. craziness we come up with next week. Uh, links to Rich's channel in the description, as always, and a bunch of other things we discussed here as well. And yeah, like, subscribe, share something, something YouTube and podcast as well. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider giving us a review as well. That would help to push the show to more people. Stuff like that. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And we shall see you next time.